If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 24. Acts, the book of Acts chapter 24. We'll be finishing out this chapter this evening. That will leave us 25, 26, 27, and 28, and then we will have been, we will have walked through this entire book. It's been a, quite an adventure. Amen. I thought Proverbs was difficult. Remember we went through all the way through Proverbs? I remember it because I thought I was never going to get out of it. 31 chapters and it's, there's, a mess, there's a sermon in every verse in that book. I mean, it's incredible. But uh, this, this book is, is, uh, has been wonderful and challenging for different reasons because it's not really a theological book. It's a, it's a book of action. That's why it's called Book of Acts. It's stories and, and testimonies of, of God's power being demonstrated and, and the, the life of the early church and Paul's ministry springing forth into life. And uh, so, it's, a, it's been a different style, different way that we've walked through the scriptures, but it's been quite marvelous. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and uh, as I've certainly enjoyed it. The fact that you keep coming on Wednesdays lets me feel like you're somewhat interested. So Acts chapter 24, let's drop down to verse 15. We left off at 14 last week. If you remember, I'll just go ahead and read verse 14. It says, but this I confess to you that according to the way, here's Paul giving defense yet again. Uh, because the uh, Jews are accusing him of things he did not do. It's kind of the story of his life at this point. And uh, so he's giving his defense. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all the things which are written in the law and the prophets. Verse 15, excuse me. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. I have hope as they also. And Paul is specifically talking about the Pharisees who also believe in the resurrection. However, the Pharisees only believe in one part of the resurrection. They only believe that the just will be raised from the dead. They do not believe that the unjust will be raised from the dead. The Sadducees don't believe in a resurrection at all. They don't believe in the spiritual uh, side of things that they, they, they believe that once you're dead, it's over. But in John chapter 5 and verse 28, Alex, I do apologize. I didn't get these scriptures to you, sir. I want to go on the fly. Appreciate you, man. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, it says, Jesus is speaking. It says, but you do not have his word abiding in, no, 28. Yes, do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice. And come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So Jesus is saying, uh, Paul is affirming exactly what Jesus taught, that all will be raised from the dead on the earth. The dead of the earth all will be raised, some to the resurrection, as Jesus said, of life, and those others who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And that's not going to be good for anyone when God has given this abundance of grace for us to receive freely, this beautiful salvation, the fact that you were conceived, the very fact that you were conceived has already settled the fact that you will live forever. 
You don't really, you don't, you can't do anything about that. You actually have no choice about that. That now, the fact that you're, you're conceived, you will always exist. But you do have a choice about where you will be in eternity, where you will live for it. It will either be in the presence of God, it will be in eternal separation from God. All right, there's only two destinations as far as eternity goes. And Jesus is, Jesus is the only way to eternal life. I love John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way to the Father. Now, all the world, now listen, everyone is going, at the end, everyone is going to the judge except those that are already judged in Jesus. They're going to the Father. Some are going to the judge. Some are going to the Father. Anybody here tonight going to the Father? Yeah, because yeah, we settled our case out of court already. Amen. Huh? We got in Jesus and in him there is everlasting life. And in him, through him, we have relationship with God. We're not slaves, we're sons. And if we're sons, then we are heirs of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. The just and the unjust. Now I want you to take your Bible and run over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for just a moment. I want to just continue on this thought for a moment of the resurrection of the dead. You know that we are all going to come out of our grave someday. I mean, some, I mean, if Jesus comes back now, of course, you know, we're going to be caught up in the air. But all of those who have gone before, we all have loved ones that are there right now, that are in the grave, and uh, they're present. Hopefully they're present with the Lord, but their bodies are in the grave right now. But there is coming a time when all these bodies will hear the voice of God and come out of the graves alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17 Paul speaking, and he says, and if Christ, and he's making a case for the resurrection of Christ. I love the way he reasons things out. Paul helps us understand these large truths, and if you really slow down and listen to what he's saying, it will make perfect sense. You know, we as Gentiles wouldn't know anything about Jesus if it hadn't been for Paul. We wouldn't know anything about him. He got revelation from Jesus of what to preach to the Gentile church, what to preach to all of us. And I'm grateful for it. So you won't really understand the Bible until you understand Paul's revelation that Jesus gave him for you. And everything that you read in the Scriptures must be filtered through Paul's teaching. Otherwise, you'll get goofed up. You just get goofed up. It'll be a lot of misunderstanding because the truth is there are plenty of contradictions in the Scriptures. If you're just reading on the surface, there's lots of contradictions. Do I need to remind you of James and Paul? Paul says, faith without works is righteousness. James said, faith without works is dead. And they were both talking about being justified. Paul says, you cannot be justified by works, but by faith apart from works. And James said, you're justified not just by faith, but by works too. So those two can't be wrecked. They can't be reasoned out. They're not... They can't be mixed. They're actually saying the opposite thing. And both of them are right. If you know how to read the Bible, if you know that one is talking to Jews and one is talking to Gentiles. And the Bible becomes clear. It becomes so much clearer then when we understand that all of it is for us, but not all of it is to us. Right? Everybody raise your right hand again. Let me remind you. Raise your right hand. All right? Has your right hand offended you? 
Has your right hand ever done anything it shouldn't do? Jesus said, cut it off if that's happened. But here we all, we all have our, yeah. So we understand, we're thanking God that all the Bible's for us, but it's not all to us. Everybody look out of that right eye. Jesus said, if your right eye offends you, if it looks at something it shouldn't look at, pluck it out. But everybody got a right eye here tonight? I think so. Okay. It's all for us, but it's not all to us. All right? And as a believer, as a new covenant believer, as a Gentile, which makes up 99.9% of the population of the earth, live in the letters of Paul. Live in the letters of Paul. I say read the Bible, learn about it, but live in the letters of Paul. This is, this is where we live, all right? This is what he was taught to by Jesus to teach us. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. Everybody all right? And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, if in this life only, I should say, we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Can I get a good amen? And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The fact that Jesus fell asleep, the sleep of death, and rose from the dead has ensured all of us that we will also rise from the dead. No doubt about it. If he came out of the grave, we're coming out of the grave too. He's the first fruits. Why? Because he's the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, we are just like Jesus. We're just like him. Amen. We're just like him. Let's hold our place there. I want to just remind you again. Go to John 12 for a moment. I love this. I love this. I, I never get tired of reading this passage of Scripture. John chapter 12. It's an amazing thing that Jesus teaches us here about us. About both him and us. Or is it he and us, honey? Ah, you're not sure. Hmm. We are always now the <laughs> it's him. Brian. Verse 20. Now there were certain geeks, Greeks, among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. This, this part's kind of funny. Greeks, or, or people like us, people on the outside, Gentiles, not Jews, came and they wanted to have an audience with Jesus. Now, they really didn't have any right to ask for this at that time, before Jesus was dead, buried, and resurrected. It was different because Jesus said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what his teaching ministry was for. That's what his healing ministry was for. He was here when he walked this earth. It was specifically for the Jews. All right, we got to catch this. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost. So the fact that these Gentiles wanted to have an audience with him, they're asking something that they really don't have a right to. All right? Now, you remember when, when Jesus is walking along and the, the uh, woman from Syrophoenicia, which means that she was not a Jew, came running to him, fell down at his feet. She said, please come and heal my daughter. She's possessed of the devil, and she's bound up. Please help her. And the scripture says, Jesus kept on walking. He did not answer her a word. 
And then she fell down at his feet again and she worshiped him and said, please, Lord, help me. And then he said, it's not right that I take the children's bread. And he said, healing is the children's bread and children being the children of Abraham, the Jews. He said, it's not right that I take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Kind of insulting, isn't it? Huh? Sometimes we, in this culture, when we see Jesus all like cool and peace, no, no, no. no. He was truth. And sometimes the truth stings a little, but we need it anyway. Sometimes the truth doesn't make you feel good, but you still need to hear the truth. All right? And Jesus is more concerned about you knowing truth and feeling good all the time. All right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's all he can do is bring us the truth. Now, this truth is a liberating truth. And he said, it's not right that I throw the children's bread take the and throw it to the little dogs. Now, I personally believe that Jesus is setting her up for faith, not insulting her. I think he's throwing an opportunity out there. I think he's throwing bait out there to her, actually, when he says, it's not right that I take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, true, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. And he said, that's it. Great is your faith. Go and have whatever you want. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Now, she did not have a right. He said, it's not right or it's not good that I take this healing bread and give it to those on the outside. But when she said, true, Lord, when she stepped out in faith, she had nothing else to, to hold on to. She didn't have the right, but she had faith. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say something to you. When you have faith, then you get all that people that they have the right to. You get the right. Just at the moment you believe, you get the right to have it. That's the beauty of faith. And Jesus and will not, and I, I actually think he is, he is made in such a way that he just can't resist faith. He loves it. He's looking for people to believe in him. The woman with the issue of blood, the scripture says that she came up behind him and what'd she, what'd she touch? The hem of his garment. And she had already said, she said the scripture says she heard about Jesus she had spent all the money she had. She had had an issue of blood for 12 years. I don't want to be too graphic, but this woman is in her cycle for 12 years straight every day of her life for 12 years. Now, according to the law, she's absolutely impure, and anything she touches becomes impure. And so she is, she is an outcast. She is not looked upon uh, very well uh, because there were, the law was so strict concerning these things. And uh, I don't have time to go into all what the law says about it, but it's, it's amazing. And she had spent all the money she had, the scripture says, on doctors. And the doctors couldn't help her. And as a matter of fact, she grew worse. Her condition grew worse. So as her, her life, as she's trying to better herself, her whole situation is actually getting worse. Now she's sicker and now she's out of money. And, now, and she has no way to go into society and make money because she's got this issue of blood and she's deemed impure so she can't mingle among people. Everything, all the odds are stacked against her, but she hears this news. She hears news about this Jesus who goes around and healing people yes. and loving people, yes. setting people free, just forgiving people of their sins. He, 
and he going, going about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil. And when she heard about it, she pressed through this crowd. This whole crowd is thronging him. And so she begins to press through this crowd. She, she has nothing to lose at this point. I mean, she's going to die anyway. She, if, if anything, she's going to die of starvation or let them stone me to death. I don't care. This is my last ditch effort. And she's pushing through the crowd. And she said to herself, if I may only touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. I know I'll be made whole. So she went after him and she stretched out and she touched the hem of his garment as he's walking and, and she caught up to him and touched the hem of his garment and when that happened, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And Peter said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. What are you talking about? You've had 500 hands on you in the last 500 steps. Are you, what are you saying? He said, no, 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 no. I felt power leave my body. I felt virtue flow out of me. You see how faith is? Jesus wasn't even handing out healing. She just came up behind him and stole it from him. She just plugged in and stole power. Ran her extension cord all the way over to the next house. <laughs> Stealing power. She did. She just took it from him. He wasn't, he wasn't even offering it to her. She walked up behind him and sneaked it right out of him. How? By faith. By faith. Even when he wasn't intentionally looking to give it to her, she, by faith, had full access to it. This is beautiful. See, this is why the Scripture says, faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And he said, who touched me? And when the woman realized that, and she said, the scripture says, immediately she felt in her body that she was healed. And when she knew that she couldn't be hidden, she came up to him and she told him all that had happened. And he said the same thing to her, great is your faith. Your faith has saved you. Go. Your faith has saved you. Praise God. Now, why was I saying all that? Oh, yeah. The Jew, the Greeks didn't have any... The Greeks didn't really have a right to come and have an audience with Jesus. But here we go. So come, they come to Philip in John chapter 12. 12? Yeah, 12. And Philip came to, and told Andrew. The reason Philip came and told Andrew is because Andrew wasn't afraid to bring anybody to Jesus. Andrew's an evangelist. He's the one who actually brought his older brother Peter and introduced him to Jesus. And we're all grateful that he did that, aren't we? Because you hear very little about Andrew after this, and you hear a whole lot about Peter. But Andrew's his little brother, and he's the one who brought him. Andrew's the one who brought the little boy who had the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus and said, here's a boy with, with some lunch, but what is this among so many? So now Philip comes to Andrew and says, come on, Andrew. These guys want to see Jesus. But Jesus answered Philip and Andrew in verse 23, saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies... It produces much grain. What a funny answer, huh? I mean, I, we, can, we can get it because we're on this side of it 2,000 years later reading this story, but these guys are living in the moment. You know? Hey, these guys want to see you. And he goes into this soliloquy about grain and wheat. Okay. Uh, does that mean yes, that you're going to see these, gent these Greeks? What are you talking about? And he says, unless a grain of wheat falls from the ground. And Jesus is speaking of himself. And when this grain of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, 
Look what, look what it says. What's going to happen? If it dies, it produces much grain. What he's saying is, it's not time yet. You're about to see Jesus all over the earth. Because when this seed goes into the ground, no longer will I be the only begotten Son of God. But I will now be the firstborn among many brethren. Because God set a law up a long time ago. The seed produces after its kind. God sowed Jesus as a seed into the earth. And that seed produced more of the same kind. you got to wrap your mind around this that you are just like Jesus. I know that's a big thing to grasp. It's still true. You're just like him. Otherwise, the seed did not produce after its kind. And it's going to take faith to grab a hold of that because your own mind's going to go, oh, no, I'm not like Jesus. No way. Yes, you are. Don't identify with yourself in the flesh. You're better than that. You're deeper than that. We identify with him in the spirit. We're born of the spirit of God. And our spirit, he who is joined to the Lord, is one spirit with him. You're just like him. Can you believe that tonight? All right? It's important for us to remember just how wonderfully saved we are and how wonderfully righteous we have become through Jesus Christ. But now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm coming back to Acts, I promise. Now Christ is risen from the dead, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. He is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That's why I said if Jesus died and rose again, then you who are just like him will die and rise again. Amen? For since, many, for since by man came death, who's that man? Adam. By man, or Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Made alive. So if there is no resurrection, then Adam's disobedience was more effective than Christ's obedience. But thank God it's not. Because Christ is risen, therefore you have absolute assurance of resurrection for you. Amen? Now let's go back to Acts 24. I hope this has blessed you. Verse 16. This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified of the temple, neither with a mob nor with tumult. Now remember what Paul uh, James advised him to sh shave his head and to take that vow and pay for the other uh, Jews' vows so that the other, it would be a testimony of the other Jews that Paul is not saying don't live by the law, he's, that he's not trying to tell Jews to abandon their Judaism, and he wasn't telling Jews to abandon the Judaism. He was just preaching the gospel to the Gentiles as Jesus taught him, and he was still practicing Ju Judaism himself. So he said, please go, because there are all these crazy rumors about you. Then they'll see that it's not true. Well, James' advice didn't actually work out all that good for Paul, because when he did get to the temple, they saw him there, and they let, grabbed a hold of him. They drug him out of the temple, and they started beating him in the streets. I wonder if Paul ever saw James again after that and said, you know, that really wasn't that great of advice, James. <laughs> they ought to, verse 19, they ought, they ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me. The eyewitnesses that were there are not here today, in other words. Or else let those who are here 
themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them. And you remember when this happened, he said, concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. And this is what, what Paul, there was all this, this commotion going on and he looked around and he sees that there's Sadducees and there's Pharisees, those who believe in the resurrection and those who don't believe in the resurrection. And then he cried out and said, it's because I believe in the resurrection. That's why I'm being tried this day. And an argument ensued between the the Fadducees and the (laughs) Fadducees and the Sharisees. The Sadducees and the Pharisees began to fight amongst themselves. And so Paul uh, was a man of opportunity for sure. Verse 22, but when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, he adjourned with uh, adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. And you remember Lysias was the one who actually rescued Paul out of that crowd and then took him down here to uh, Caesarea. Verse 23, so he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or to visit him. All right. After some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, what a name, huh? Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned, this is Paul, as Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Paul reasoned with Felix. That is to, the word reason here means to thoroughly discuss or to mingle thought with thought. What he did is he just began to have this conversation with Felix and to, to reason out why the gospel is the way it is and what it produces as a result. And he, I'm sure that he talked to him about the simplicity of the gospel, that we were dead in our sin because Adam sinned, death came to all of us, but Jesus Christ came and has redeemed us from sin. The wages of sin was death. But praise God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And God put all the sins of the world on His Son, and that way you can receive salvation by grace, through faith, and be free. And He talked to him about righteousness. He talked to him about and how are we made righteous? By faith. Just like our father Abraham was. And God put, like I said, He put all the blame of the sins of the human race on that one man, Jesus. He became sin, and by doing so, by faith in him, we become righteousness. And now, and then he says he reasons self-control. Now that we are made the righteousness of God, now that we understand that we, this is who we are. It's not what we do. Righteousness is who we are. Our whole condition changed. Hallelujah. And we have the power now to live according to our righteousness. Our desires then change. And we used to fulfill the appetites of our flesh. That's the way of the world. You know, get and get more. And if it feels good, do it. Right? Yeah. But the flesh, the flesh, that's how it is all the time. The spirit does not speak of those things. Right? The flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another, the scripture says. But now we desire, because of that righteousness, that righteous nature we have, now there's something on the inside of us that wants us to be led by the spirit. We hear this voice. We have this quickening. And the things that we didn't have any problem doing before, man, we enjoyed them. Now all of a sudden they're just not all that fun anymore. Something about them that just doesn't seem right anymore. What is, what's going on with me? I don't think the same way I used to. I don't feel about these things like I used to. And Paul says in Galatians, I say then walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. As we walk by faith, we live out our righteousness. We are no longer under control of self. Now we have the ability to have self-control. And then he talked to him about 
judgment to come. This is the day when all men will give an account of their life to God. He will judge both the living and the dead. And the living are going to be judged according to their works. I was talking to my friend David Grubbs about this today. Paul teaches us this wonderful truth that, that will set people free concerning works. You know, how many of you believe that we need to do good works? Yeah, because we, our lives are on display. Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, you're the light of the world. You're a city set on the hill. A city set on the hill cannot be hidden. A light's not meant to be put under a basket, not meant to be put in a, in a closet somewhere. You're on display. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Hey, we all know that your, your works can't save you, but your works might help somebody else get saved. Yeah. All right? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to finish with this. Go there right quick, uh, Alexio. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Verse 10, just so we know this. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. This is Paul speaking. And another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul just taught us the foundation is Jesus Christ. Is this clear enough? All right. Now watch this. Verse 12. Now if anyone builds on this foundation, what's the foundation? Okay. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. You mean you can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Wood, hay, and straw? Hmm. Next, each one's work, that's what all those things represent, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stone, those are all works. Each one's work will become clear for the day. What day is it talking about? Judgment day. will declare it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's what? Right, your, your righteousness or your work? Your salvation or your work? Your work of what sort it is. Here we go. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. That's good, isn't it? And that, those things that endure are the gold, silver, and the precious stones. Watch. If anyone's work is burned, wood, hay, and straw, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Because you couldn't earn heaven. Jesus earned heaven for you. But you can earn rewards in heaven. And you can actually... The tragedy to me, though, would be someone who is on the foundation of Jesus Christ and only produce works that are all going to be burned away. When you have an eternity to think about, to fill up with rewards. This is, why we're, this is what we're doing here as believers. We are, we are laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Hallelujah. So Jesus is going to judge us according to our works, not according to our salvation. He is our salvation. All right? But the world's going to be judged for the rejection of Jesus because they chose to remain in sin and not accept that Jesus became sin for them. Amen. When it's so easy, God is, yeah. God is this, you understand why we need to preach this gospel? Yeah. I don't want anyone to endure separation from God. Amen. There's no reason for it. Not when Amen. he's given us freely all things through Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Amen. Let's finish up Acts. Verse 25, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. So now, because Paul was able to walk through this whole thing with Felix, now Felix is left to answer questions for himself. 
And I have a feeling he asked Paul questions along the way, and Paul answered his questions. And now that he has made perfect sense of the gospel and of Christian living and that one day we'll all give account of ourselves to God, all of a sudden Felix understands he's responsible to make a decision here. I have to do something with the information that I've just received. And he was afraid. He said, go away. I'll call for you at a more convenient time. He has no argument to the truth because it has been reasoned out to him. That is, he cannot save himself. He cannot live for himself. And he's going to face a judge at the end of his life. I think that this will get anyone who has no knowledge of God or doesn't have a relationship with God kind of squirming in their seat. Verse 26, Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, (laughs) that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. And I think Felix was really trying to let Paul go. He just wanted Paul to offer him some money. He just wanted to be bribed. Paul never bit. bit. He, he He never offered him money. And this happened for two years. Look at this, the last verse. But after two years, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. I mean, it looks like Paul has found favor in Felix's eyes, and for two years he's reasoning with Paul and having these meetings with Paul and hoping that Paul's going to pay him some money and then he can set him free and, and maybe later on hold that over Paul's head. Paul's smarter than that. But in the end, even though Felix could have released Paul, his true colors show Felix is nothing more than a politician. And he makes his decisions based on what will further his political status. I might need a favor from the Jews, so I'll just leave old Paul in prison. Don't you love politicians? Next week we're going to get into chapter 26 where Paul has audience with King Agrippa. And Agrippa is the son of Herod who had James beheaded and almost had Peter killed except for the angel helped Peter escape. And now Paul's going to have the opportunity to speak to King Agrippa and it is an astounding passage of Scripture. And then we'll get into the shipwreck of Paul in chapter 27. I think that's my favorite chapter in Acts. And then finish up with chapter 28. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, thank you for this time together in your presence. We thank you for the Word of God that is living and powerful. Why don't we, can we just lift our hands to the Lord for a moment? Let's just bless Him. Just lift your voice and praise Him and thank Him. Thank Him that you're saved. Thank Him that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank Him that all your sins are washed away, that Jesus didn't just cover up the bad stuff. He took sins away. And we are free in Him. We thank You for Your amazing grace, Lord. We thank You that You forgave us. You have set us free. You have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Lord, you've called us to th- at this time, at this hour, in this day, God, to be declarers of your message, Lord, that we have a voice. We are like Jesus in the earth. Your scripture says that though as he is, so are we in this world. Father, help us to grasp this. Help us to grab a hold of our righteousness, God, that we are like our Savior, 
so that we will go and do works accordingly, God, so that we'll live in confidence, so that we won't have any problem laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. We won't be trepidatious or fearful in any way to cast devils out of those who are bound up, Lord, that we will go do the works, that we will declare that God is good. We will declare this great gospel that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Believe on him and receive everlasting life. We thank you, Father God, that you so love the world that you gave Jesus to the world. Father, I thank you for your blessing now upon your people. They are blessed in their coming in and they are certainly blessed in their going out. I thank you, God, that you have made your people victors not victims. You've brought them up to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath, God, the lender, not the borrower. Father, I thank you that you cause your people to prosper and be in health even as their soul prospers. I declare that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment they shall condemn. I thank you that they leave in this place, from this place tonight, victorious, God. Victorious, God. No matter what challenges that they were facing, even right now, no matter what difficulties, Lord, nothing is too hard for our God. And knowing that God is on their side, anything is possible. And Lord, so we believe tonight. You said all things are possible to those who believe. Lord, we set aside how we feel about it. We set aside, Lord, looking at circumstances and the things that are surrounding us, and we set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, our champion, hallelujah, the captain of our salvation. And we thank you, Lord, that you are able to make every situation turn around and work out for the good to those who love you and who are the call according to your purpose. I declare healing on everyone in this room tonight. Lord, I declare breakthrough over them in the name of Jesus. I declare in Jesus' name that when they lay their head down on their pillow tonight, it will be peaceful sleep. They will not lie in restlessness, Lord. They will not be bound up in anxiety, but the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard their hearts and their minds in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the victory that we, you always lead us in triumph in Jesus Christ our Lord. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. That as, because we are filled with the Spirit, Lord, we are witnesses in this earth. Lord, that we, as the sons of God, would reveal our God in this earth. Because this earth is crying out for it. This earth is in travail for those who will know who they are and do what they do. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. And if God is able, then we are able. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.